this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is and you're thinking about starting a podcast, you should probably find out what Anchor is because Anchor is a free way to host your podcasts. It also gives you creation tools like the ability to record yourself, record with other people, edit as well, and do it from your phone or your computer. You don't need to go buy fancy tools to start. You can start with Anchor. And you can hit the nice distribute button, and it's going to send it out to all the places you want it to be, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. In addition to that, you can make money from your podcast with no basic listenership. In other words, if you only have 10 people because you're just starting, you can still monetize that. It's really hard to find a better place to start. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on the crazy podcast journey. in the middle of the weirdest breakup in the history of mankind it's the it's a slow roll and it's and it's there's a brutality to it that's hard to describe well i mean apparently though my version of what i'm doing is probably at least in my mind it's like the best version of it i've ever seen but it's still like it's it's always hard on somebody right and i I get the sense that it's hard on her and it's hard on me, but neither of us want to let that on. You know what I mean? Because we yeah. still have so much stuff we need to do. Like it can't be a clean break because of how our lives are set up. Um, so it's not like she can just like pick up and leave tomorrow. You know what I mean? Right. Are we talking about this on the show or is this just us talking? We might as well just talk about it on the show. Fuck it. So we're going to leave that part in? Sure. Why not? Okay. Well, it's up to you. <laughs> well, I... I'm 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 in this new phase of my life where I want I want to be as honest about all of the things that I experience as possible and this one's one of those it's it there's such I think there's a useful brutality in it um you know because it, in my estimation I think I'm doing it right but obviously doing it right has its own price um and that's and that's something I kind of want to get across All right so let's uh Let's go through our our warm up, you know, and let's get into that stuff. Let's 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 really get deeper into that when we're actually warmed up at the end of the show. Sure. Okay. I think it, I think it fits there. Um, I don't know. Like I think I feel like we burn ourselves out on this stuff early. So let's talk about ridiculous shit first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, my my list is pretty dense anyway. So I mean, the, the warm up is going to be. It's less brutal than this stuff, but it's still it's still it's difficult in its own way too. God, what am what's wrong with me? Yeah, I looked at yours. I'm like, whoa, heavy, heavy, heavy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's let's roll into some of your shit, Chad. Your your stuff is definitely not as heavy as mine is. Well, let's do do our follow ups first. Um, how'd writing the song go? Oh man, it is. I'm not entirely done with it yet, but I got pretty close. Um. And as one would expect, it's like the saddest thing I've ever attempted to do. 
Um, and it's even hard for me to read the lyrics. <laughs> that's a good time to, to do those though. You know, like that's a good, take that energy and channel it into something. Yeah. And so, I mean, at some point, I think I may, throughout the course of the show, I may read some of the lyrics at some point. Um, you know, I don't have the wherewithal to perform the song on the show. That's a little, that's a little ambitious, um, but I can... We could I play don't. a recording though, when you get to a point where you're pleased with it. Yeah, I got to figure out, I'm actually pretty damn pleased with it. Um, the problem is I just don't have a way to record it at the moment. So I got to mm-hmm. figure that out. Well, we will be here. I don't think we're going anywhere. By the way, another thing, a little update on me too. I don't know why, but I just have like a renewed sense. Of, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw, your, I saw, your, I saw your, your full on flaming of the uh, Instagram account. Yeah, we'll get into I'm that very, in a little while. Yeah, I'm very <laughs> curious as to, to what led to the, the final chopping of the, the, the cord on that one. Yeah, we, we will get there. It's not just that. It's much, much broader. Um, so my my challenge last week was to not use Amazon, and I failed. I failed within two days. <laughs> I literally failed within two days because... Um, so I, I think I mentioned before, you know, I haven't been... I know I mentioned I haven't been using the Apple Watch, but I, I think I mentioned I wanted to get an analog watch. You know how fucking hard that is to do in the real world? <laughs> I'm not kidding. You know how hard it is to find a decent watch right now without ordering it online? Oh, I Nobody wants to stock that. them. Sure. I went to um, first. I went to the internet and I looked all around because I was I was determined to do things. Um, I wanted to find a mom and pop. I wanted to go to a mom and pop. You know, I'm just I'm gonna buy a watch. I'm gonna go buy it from somebody who needs my money. You know what I mean? Sure. I could not find a single. In we live in a one of the biggest cities in the fucking country, and I could not find is literally a mom and pop watch store or you know time store i don't know what the hell you call them um, time store <laughs> that'd be cool if there was such a thing as a time store <laughs> well i i, I th- i'm just throwing that out as like the blanket term for where you buy watches and wall clocks i don't know what the fuck they used to call those timekeeping store right Isn't that what they called it well i get the sense that you just looked in the wrong place i don't think it's i don't think it's physically possible to just maintain an environment in which you're only selling watches right. um so i mean the the last place i looked for such a thing was a uh, at macy's um, and I found some there, you know, I was the only place I could think of and I didn't, and I couldn't, I couldn't get there. I went to target, you know, target used to have a counter, like what you're talking about at Macy's. Well, actually the ones at Macy's are nice because they have like five or six wraparound counters full of watches. Target sure. used to have one. Um, but now they just have like, I, I, I walked through, they just remodeled the target by my house. So I'm, I'm walking around. I don't know where the fuck anything is in there anymore. And I'm walking around and finally I asked somebody and they're like, oh, I think it's over there in the men's department. So now I'm wandering through the men's department like a, a lost, you know, like a lost puppy. I'm like, what? <laughs> Where are these watches? You know, like, what are they hidden under the fucking shoes here? Do I have to like lift up the, the hanger of a coat and then shake the pants and then a secret passage opens up? Where the fuck are these things? So I had to go ask another person and they're like, oh, actually, it's funny. People give uh, younger kids in retail a bad reputation. This is a young young guy, probably maybe like 15, 16. Walk me all the way across the store, patiently, not rushing. Walk me across the store. He's like, right here. And then walked away. I was like, wow. Oh, cool. Yeah. So we get there and it's it's like literally, it's... Uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like these little stackable things on the ground. 
<laughs> with watches set up on them and there's like 40 watches total and like you know it's it's really only like seven watches because you know there's iterations of colors and they're all less than $20. I'm like, oh. Oh man. Okay, fuck this. You know, so then I went to CVS. I'm like, maybe CVS still has watches. Nope. And so then that's why I ended up ordering from Amazon. And then I ended up buying a cheap watch anyways. Because I was like, fuck it. <laughs> I mean, your your other hope is to go to a specific store like Fossil or something like that. Yeah. But then I don't I, I don't want to go to one brand. That's the thing. I mean oh, sure. I it's hard. I, I bought it. That's the reason I bought a cheap one this time. Because first of all, buy the cheap one, wear it around for a while. If I like having an analog watch again, then I'm ready to invest. And when I invest, I'm going to buy a three, four hundred dollar watch. I'm going to buy like a real watch that's going to last me for a long time. Sure. But I want to take this. I got a T. I got like a forty dollar Timex. It's it's nice. It looks nice or whatever. It's got a military band, whatever the hell that is. NATO strap they call it. I just learned this shit. <laughs> so anyways, I failed, but I failed with reason. Um, I did resist buying anything else, though. And I had many, many opportunities. Yeah, so at least you used you used it to fulfill a challenge. Yeah, and I did really try not to and try to find alternative ways. I didn't go to it. It, it was more about, you know, like reducing that inst- instantaneous, you know, trigger point. Like, I buy that on Amazon and then buy it. Sure. This is so many things. I'm sure you've done it. I'm sure everybody listening has done it. You you go like, oh, that's a good idea to buy that thing. And then you buy it because it's so easy and it comes to you so fast. And then like, you know, three weeks later, you realize you're like, oh, I didn't really need that thing. Or I didn't really want that thing. Or I wanted something else. So you got like this pile up of like fucking Amazon purchases that you're like, oops. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm pretty meticulous though. So that usually doesn't happen to me. Like I... I'm I'm the kind of person even with online purchases where I kind of do like copious research. Mm. Yeah, well, you know what happens to me when I do copious research, so that's yeah, out the that's window. True. That's a good point. Yeah, I'll never buy <laughs> fucking anything. Yeah, a, a paralysis by analysis. Yeah, yeah. totally. Too long. I, I'll go. Oh, is this the best website? And then I'll end up researching like, is this the best website to look at for this information? <laughs> well, and then you're going to start examining like the sociological effects of online shopping versus regular shopping and what the differences are. Who does this website make money from? Do they have yeah, a reason exactly. to recommend me Amazon links? You know. Yeah, the the rabbit the rabbit holes you dive into are probably not good for buying a watch. <laughs> yeah. And for anybody listening, I don't have anything against Amazon. In all honesty, I think they've they've built a, a good company. I mean there there are there are problems with all big companies. They all do fucked up shit. Um, but compared to what a lot of other companies are doing right now, they're not my worry right now. It was more about me. Sure. Um, other two quick follow-ups. Oxenfree. I'm going to guess you haven't had a chance to play it yet. Oh, no. Oh, no. Digital minimalism. How's that one going? <laughs> Have you dipped into that yet? Um, no, I haven't even looked at it, to be honest with you. I mean, I've been so preoccupied. I mean, you know what's going on right now. Right. I mean, there's There's so much... At the very end of things like this, the dismantle process is such a monumental process. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. All right. Well, let's no, talk about the one thing. That. Well, one thing we do have in common, unless there's anything on my list that you just didn't move up into that section yet. Did you look oh, at I, any of the things I on my list yet? I did not know I was supposed to move things up. Yeah, that's what the blue section's for. Um, uh, damn it. Okay. 
What Sorry. can I move up? What do we what do we, what do we share in common on this list? What did you look at? All right, let me dive back into the list again. Holy crap! Um, um, for the like, for the listeners, I'll dump into the thing of from your list that I checked out. I checked out the TV show you told me about, The Expanse. Uh huh. That is a boring fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> it gets better, but does, I'm, I'm six episodes in. Yeah, it's it's it, it's very slow. It's very it's very Dune esque in that sense. Is that there's a lot of talk and a ton of setup. Um, so there, yeah, you definitely have to kind of give it a chance. Um, and I think it's definitely one of those shows where it's probably good to have it going on in the background. See, my 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 one thing was I, number one, I, I I found myself spacing out a lot while I was watching it, which is kind of a funny pun considering it's a space show. Uh, um, but I think, and so I actually, I, instead of just coming in here, you know, with like no explanation, I'm like, you know, why would we talk about TV show if I don't have something to say? So I actually, and sat and I thought about it. I'm like, why is this boring? You know, like I'm looking at it, I'm like, you know, like what's theoretically what's happening should be exciting. You know, like there's all, you know, there's missed, there's, they're looking for somebody that's lost and this ship is blown up and this ship is blown up and there's intrigue going on and all this and I'm bored what's going on and i think it's just shit writing um they <laughs> they did the and it's not shit writing in the sense that the the, the dialogue's bad or you know that the it's that they don't who's writing this doesn't understand what it's like to watch a television show <laughs> you can't throw 50 balls at somebody's head and expect them to catch all of them you gotta you gotta throw the balls at a pace where people can catch them and they throw when they throw too much at you to digest, then you space out because your brain overloads. You know, your brain you, turns off. You know, maybe that's kind of just where I was, and the reason why I like the show so much is because I loved that about it. Yeah, because like to me, I'm like the the first episode. What did they introduce? Like twenty twenty characters. Sure, yeah, and like a bunch of people that, will die later, but you you know what they they do. I actually thought it was a great thing they did for the show, but it also makes it extremely difficult, which is they don't really explain anything. Right. I don't have a problem with that. That's, okay. I mean, that's if you jump in, if you throw somebody in the... I don't like the whole, like, let me tell you the whole backstory here. That's, oh, yeah, that's, that. that's bad viewing too. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but it's... it's spread, spread shit out. You know, like, I don't know if it's a, it was a budget constraint where they're like, well, we don't have time to make this into four episodes, so we have to fit it into one. Yeah, and or they didn't even know if they were going to be renewed, so they just had to squeeze it into the story the best they could. Yeah, it's just, it's. I mean, like, it's not even that too many things are happening, because in reality, there's not that many things happening. It's just there's too many fucking people, and they don't make it... The two things that they failed to do, and I'm saying they because I have no idea who wrote it. It could just be one person. Um, what they failed to do is a really good show, or a great show. When you watch it, you know what characters you have to remember and what characters are just kind of less important, right? Sure. You know, like uh, even Game of Thrones in the first three episodes of the first season of Game of Thrones, they had trouble with this too. So, um, it, although they it's were funny, it's, it's funny. I literally was going to say Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Game of Thrones is the worst example of that I've ever seen. It was so confusing. And, and keep in mind, this is confusing for, for me. I read the books and it was confusing for me. Well, I think... The, Game of Thrones did better theoretically than this show does, but what the problem Game of Thrones had is those fucking names. Uh, you know, like um, shit. I can't even remember the characters' names <laughs> anymore. Uh, Tyrion and what the hell was the dad's name? Tywin. 
yeah, Tyrion, Tywin. You're like, fuck, which one's which? It, there's all these names in there that 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 made it really difficult. It took till it was episode four where I clicked in and I'm like, oh, I like this show. Um, sure. This show, I'm six episodes in and I'm still like, mm, I'm not sure. I also don't like any of the characters um, <laughs> except for maybe Miller. Um, but the other thing that they 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 seems lacking is there doesn't seem to be a driving heart to the show. You know, like I'm watching it and there's things happening, but I'm like, what the fuck is this show about? Yeah. I don't have, I don't have a a foothold to go. Oh, this show is, you know, like, sure. You can say something general, like this show is what it's like when earth and Mars are two different, uh, two different governments. And then there's this thing called the belt between them. And it's about the interplay between the, that's not the explanation of what a show is about. You know, like um, like the Odyssey. What's the Odyssey about? A guy trying to get home for more. That's what the Odyssey is about. Yeah. Anything longer than that is an explanation of plot. I don't want an explanation of plot. I want to know what the show is about. What's the theme? And it doesn't have a clear one. So I'm, I, I think I space out too because I'm like, so why do I care? You know, like, uh, what's her name? Julie, Julie Yao, the girl that they're looking for. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Julie Mao. Um, Julie Mao. Um, I'm like, wh- why, why the fuck do I care? <laughs> why do I care if they find her? Um, and that, that's, that's bad writing. <laughs> that's bad writing. Um, but anyways, that's how I feel about it. Your turn that, to tell me why you like it. That is great. You, you hate it for the same reasons I love it. Um, <laughs> I liked how confusing it was. Um, in that, I mean, there are so many people that know right off the bat, you know what I mean? And that's, that's, I, I agree with you that there's, there's a little bit of the, just the panic of trying to figure out who's who and who works for who and who's on whose side in the very beginning. Um, but I, I, one of the, the biggest reasons why I like it is purely, purely a nerd reason, uh, which is they treat space properly, um, in its, in its horror and its isolation and its difficulty. Um, so that was a really strong pull for me because I haven't really seen a, a show that that has done that well. Like even a show like like Star Trek: The Next Generation, for example, there's definitely a sense of 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 there are some Mary Sue's in there. Like you know, the, the like for example, the way they they treat anti gravity um, or gra- I'm not I'm sorry, not anti gravity, but gravity, and yeah. how there's just these these gravity generators that just eliminate the problem of weightlessness. And and the, the right. things that come along with that. Um, yeah, watching Star Trek, living in Star Trek generation is like living in a mix between the IKEA store and a mall. It's yeah, not exactly. really spacey. Yeah, and and you just happen to be in space. There's nothing terrifying about it. You know, like the ship is extremely safe. No one ever worries about the vacuum of space or the horrors of space debris slamming into a, 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 a you know. If you think about impulse engines, for example, in, in the Star Trek world, that's a tenth the speed of light. A speck of dust hitting you at that speed would rip a hole right through you. You know what I mean? Right. And sure, they have deflectors and all that kind of stuff. And the deflector technology is supposed to create this 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 magnetic field around the vessel. But this, but there, it's never really as big a problem as I think it should be. Like, for example, if the deflector dish even loses 10% of its power and one piece of dust gets through, that's going to rip a giant hole in the ship. You know what I mean? Well, you know what I always think about, too, with, with Star Trek's and Exploration? You know, granted, these people are space-bearing people. But I think about... Like if I woke up and I was on the Enterprise and I walked into 10 forward and I looked out that fucking window, I would probably shit myself. Oh, right. 
looking into the vastness of space is fucking terrifying. Sure. It's not beautiful. <laughs> not when well, you're in it. <laughs> but I suppose, but I suppose the perspective on that's different though, right? Like it's it's we're like you said, we're not spacefaring people, so we right. don't understand. Like these people are used to this. I mean, they, they stand on, on moon bases and stuff and look back at the earth constantly. But there so, are characters on at least on the next generation that were taken up into that ship for the first time. Yeah. And in if you remember back to first contact, um, there was I forget the name of the character, but she is it's her first time ever seeing space and she's absolutely terrified by it. Right. Like she's she's looking back down on the earth and this this gigantic monstrous entity that she's never viewed from that perspective before and i knew going in the show that, that you know you had told me that it it was the you didn't tell me much which is good but you said it was one of the most one of the best ways you'd seen a show deal with space and because of that i think i noticed things i might not have noticed um two examples that come to mind really great examples um see if i i think this is actually technically the same scene um i'm not going to use character names because number one i can't remember any of the fucking characters names anyways <laughs> um the dude gets his one dude gets his head blown off yep. while they're all strapped in. Yep. And then the blood is weightless and mm-hmm. just trailing through the room. Thought that was really well done. And then those holes, they had to plug those holes because now the vacuum is broken. I yep. thought that was really cool too. Um, and then the, the random one scene where somebody's, I guess they're in like lighter gravity and he's pouring whiskey. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. He lets it go, but it like kind of trails and then, but he knows how to get it into the glass still. I thought that was really cool. You know, you know what I thought would have been really interesting? Like, so, so the show, I love, I love the show and I hate the show for many reasons. Um, but I, you know, I thought the story that would be the most compelling for both you and I as, as the people that we are who are concerned about narrative in the way that we are, um, I would have watched a show entirely about Miller. Yes. You know, um, that's what I was going to say, actually. I think um, when I read the description, after you told it to me and I was deciding whether I was going to watch it, I read that it was about a missing girl, at least the first season. I don't know what the hell happens after that, obviously, because I haven't got there. And and I was like, oh, maybe it's a space crime show. Awesome. And then when I saw him, you know, he's got the, he looks like a fucking noir detective, which is obviously on purpose. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, awesome. And then I have to watch all the other fucking guys who I don't give a shit about. <laughs> So I think you're right. Like if it was just Miller, I would be totally happy. I don't care about I don't care about the the um the Persian lady that has all the power um in government. I don't care about the fucking uh well now it's called the Rosinante, but what what was it called? The the ship, yeah. The, I forget the name of it. Canterbury. To the, chain, the Canterbury. No. Canterbury is the ship that gets destroyed in the beginning. That's the spoiler, that's the big spoiler. ship that they came out of. The, yep. They were in the Canterbury. Um, and then they were in a like a smaller pod, and, yeah. And then now they renamed it the Rosinante. By the way, what is with all of the fucking Don Quixote references? <laughs> Rosinante, Don Quixote's horse. The yeah, first episode called really likes, Yeah, somebody really likes Don Quixote. <laughs> Who do they think is tilting at windmills in that show? I, I don't know. I don't know. To be honest with you. Uh, and then Canterbury is not. Obviously, not the same book, but it is a. It's about the same time period in literature. Yeah, I, I think there somebody somebody on the writing staff really likes that period of time and wants to appear smart to the world. Yeah, somebody thinks they're clever. Yeah, exactly. Which it's, I think is why that. they're crowding things so much. That's you know usually when somebody does that, they really do think they're clever. Yeah, it feels forced. I, I agree. It's, 
it's in the reason I'm so sensitive to it. Number one, it's a lesson I had to learn myself, Mm -hmm. but because of that, I see it all over the place and it really does ruin things that are good ideas. Mm -hmm. I agree. You can't have, you can't have complex um, character structure, you know, like your social world of your characters and complex plot and complex um, themes. You can't do all three because there's nothing for anybody to hold on to. You got to simplify at least one. Well, and you, and, and it definitely deters, it, it, it feels really forced um, and it takes you out of the reality of it. Yeah, I mean, the, like when you think about like really um, thematically complex movies, uh, you know, like a Lynch film, sometimes some of the movies, you have a lot of characters, but then the plot is really basic. Sure. Or it's thematically complex and it is... Uh, very very few characters, but the plot is just crazy. You or, know, or one character. Yeah, you just got to you know most of the most of the movies with really weird you know like um what was that really great movie with um space movie two with oh god now I can't even think of his name Sam Rockwell Moon, Moon is it called Moon? Moon it's called Moon that movie is amazing yeah one dude. Well, one dude kind of. Basically, though, when you think of who you you don't need to remember anybody else. Tim. Sure. Yeah. 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 Good point. Simple structure, but then really complex idea. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's like rule writing. I mean, writing number one, and it can change, you know, as people croak <laughs> in the show, the, the, the social structure is getting more simple, but it's, it's, it needs work. <laughs> Hopefully it gets better in season two. I'm not sure if you're going to, I'm not sure if you're ever going to like it, to be honest with you. Mm. Cause it's kind of more of the same. Interesting. Okay, so what uh, what things do you want me to move up into the blue? Oh, man. Um, Isn't that what you were just doing? <laughs> yeah, I was, but then we, we jumped onto this. You I really excited. like the idea of manipulating commercial breaks. Um, I'm very curious as to what you mean by that, and I have things to say about that. I have so much to talk about when it comes to the, the, the Denver International Airport. I watched like, oh, good. a documentary on that thing recently. Um, I know what the hell is going on there. I still have never seen the, 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 well, no, I think I have seen it, but I don't remember it. Um, the Dune doc, the, the, I'm sorry, the Dune miniseries. It is, um, like, I think I've seen it, but I'm not sure. The Expanse is better. <laughs> okay. Well, that's why I don't remember it. Okay. That, that explains that. The Dune miniseries is really bad. It's really bad. It's, I've, I've, the only place you could watch it, and at least as far as I could find, was on YouTube. Um, and it was so bad that I watched it at two times speed. <laughs> and didn't miss anything. <laughs> it's it's just so, like, number one, I don't even know where to begin. I don't want to go too in-depth and shit on two things in a row. But literally, it's, it's like poor casting, mediocre acting. Uh, it's really, really accurate to the book. I'll give it that, at least as far as what happens. But the way things look and the world looks and everything like that, it just feels, you know how like when you watch Star Trek, the next generation and you look at the, not the uniforms, but the normal clothes that they wear in that show, you know, the, Mm -hmm. their off duty clothes. And you think, man, the future is lame (laughs) because there's like zero fashion. Like they just look stupid. Yeah. That's this whole movie. That's the way everybody's dressed in this whole movie. (laughs) Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. I don't know if I could handle that, man. It's a lot. And the special effects are garbage. But I mean, number one, it's it's from 2000 and it was low budget then. I mean, sci-fi made it. So 
Yeah, so one can only imagine the level of crappiness that... I mean, the, the, the sci-fi network just never never really got their shit together when it came to... You know, if you're doing sci-fi, for example, you have to have a big enough budget or it just looks like shit. Right, unless you're doing a completely niche thing of like low-budget sci-fi. Yeah. And you yeah, purposely but, tell people that's what you're doing. But if you do that, you have to tell a much better story. You know, like or my... You know, like if you're doing a camp thing, you know, that's kind of what I meant. Yeah, but but the, the, the problem, though, is that none of it was meant to be camp. <laughs> no, I, you know I, I get mean? you. I'm just saying that's a way they could have done it low budget like, if they had thought about it. Like the, the, the uh, Danny Boyle used to say this, like, you know, there are some directors or some projects that just do better with large budgets and some that are much worse because of large budgets. Totally. And and one one example that I always come back to, like... So, so let me. I'm just going to throw this out there and see what you think. What's your favorite Star Trek movie? Uh, to be honest, Star Trek Four, the fucking whale movie. The whale movie. Fuck yes. Yes, but that also illustrates my point as well. So my two favorites are well, I mean, Wrath of Khan is special because it's, it's Ricardo Montalban being his full crazy self. But my favorite is Star Trek First Contact, and mm, that is a good movie. It's a great movie. And you know why it was great? Because they had almost no fucking budget to make it. And it also felt just like the TV show. Yeah, it was one of the lowest budget Star Trek movies. And so because of that, they had to tell a compelling story on just one ship. (laughs) Oh, actually, you know what? Um, I totally forgot about all the new ones. I really liked all the new ones. Oh, yeah, I agree. The new Kirk and all that. um, Those are probably my favorite. And I will say that people who shit on those movies are, are just people who are waiting for their fan service. It's, there's an arrogance to it. It's like the same people who who crap on Discovery. I mean, don't get me wrong. Discovery is either your cup of tea or it isn't. But I gave it a fair shake and I actually think it's a decent show. Well, I know that there's a, there's another podcast called um, Mac Power Users. And uh, the guy, um, what's his name? Sparky, something Sparky. I can't remember his first name. But David Sparky, um, David Sparks. Him and his former co-host, um, he just switched co-hosts, but uh, him and her were both Trekkies. And one of the, I listened to like the Farewell episode. I don't listen to the show normally, but I listen to the Farewell episode. I like listening to how shows transition format or guests and stuff. Having gone through that a few times, I'm always curious how other people do it. Yeah. And uh, she was telling him, I think, that he needs to give Discovery a shot because um, she's like, what you didn't like about season one, she's like, fixes itself in season two. And I don't know what that means, but from another Trekkie other than you, there are other Trekkies who agree with you. Yeah. And, and people also forget that, first of all, the first series of Star Trek, like the original series, the, you know, what, what Trekkies would refer to as TOS, it was only one season and it wasn't really that good. No, it was, it was three seasons. Was it really? Yeah. Wait, what am I getting wrong there? Why did I think it was one season? Uh, because there's one season where they, um, where the, where they say it's, God, I can't remember how many year mission, and then it changes to continuing mission. I think uh, maybe that might be what you're, what you're okay, confusing yeah, that's, because that's they didn't expect to go further. To. Gotcha. Um, also, you know, like I've been a long time Trekkie. Like, I mean, if you think about, I mean, I didn't start with the original series just because that wasn't of my generation. I didn't watch it until much later when I had to go back to it. 
but the 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 first season of this uh I'm sorry of the next generation which is a show I hold very near and dear to my heart was not great you know right the the, the first season of deep space 9 was almost unwatchable to me um the first season of voyager and the second season of voyager to, for that matter were garbage um, I really wish anyway. I really wish you were caught up on the orville oh uh, yeah I haven't weird to bring up in a what? conversation about shows that aren't good, but that's the opposite. That show I love. Oh, that first season was amazing, but I don't. The second have, season um, is better. I don't it, have any. I, I don't have Hulu. That's that's my problem. It's. I think it's. Uh, this is a bold statement. I think it's my favorite space show of all time. Yeah, I mean, if, if we're if we're basing it anything off of that first season, that first season was incredible. Well, uh, season two. It's like it comes to a life of its own. I can't really tell you anything about it because it's just gonna, um, it'll ruin it. But I'll just say this: that it it finds it finds its feet. I thought it it had its feet pretty good in season one, but it you know there was a little bit of the contrast between the goofiness and then the actual like sci-fi plots that were really well, and it would kind of transition between the two. In season two, they found a way to make them both work together, so that it feels like one show instead of two shows oscillating. Got it. Interesting. And uh yeah, there's there's a two part episode in the second season that's just fucking nuts. Like there's like a there's a fucking space battle and I'm sitting there I'm like, dude, am I watching a fucking movie? Like this is it was so intense and I'm like, this was I thought this was gonna be like a, when I first started watching this last season, I thought this was a Star Trek spoof. And now I'm watching this amazing space battle. Wow. Seth McFarlane, huh. you're the man. I wonder if it's going to get renewed. I hope it does. Oh yeah, it's definitely going to get renewed. It, apparently, it's, it's, so? it was it was there was there was threat that it might not. Its ratings are huge. Really? Huh. Yeah, it's a hugely successful show. Interesting. The guy has the guy has magic fingers. You know what I mean? Everything he touches just works. Yeah, Seth McFarlane just doesn't know how to fail. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking to see what the. Uh, Critical response. Is this sometimes Wikipedia will tell you the ratings of shows? Uh, yeah, they got season one on average six point five million viewers. Whoa, for a space show? Uh, yep, that's really high. Ranked okay. number sixty three overall. That's pretty. That's pretty great. Yeah, for a space show, that's shocking. Hmm. I would have never guessed. So, anyways, whenever you get whenever you get a chance to watch that show, that's something we need to talk about on here. I, I, I have literally no one else to talk to about that. Oh, we were going to talk about uh, this manipulating commercial break. So, what do you think that means when you read What do you think that means when you read those words that I can't say right now? It literally sounds like your computer ate you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it it sounds like it sounds like production companies or or TV companies. I, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm going to fumble this, but it sounds like uh, people are trying to manipulate how you view the commercial breaks as a an overall. Mm, that's interesting. That is totally not what I meant by it. Um, I think I was purposely obtuse <laughs> with titling it, but I think that will fit when we talk about Team Human. That's going to fit in there. Sure. Um, so let me let me make a note for that. 
so that we can remember to put that in there because I do want to talk about that idea because that is a good idea. Or it's not a good idea. It's a good thing to talk about, I should say. Um, what I meant by manipulating commercial breaks is that I am manipulating commercial breaks. Um, so History Channel, which you see is another topic on here. Yep. <laughs> History Channel, um, shit, what, what, I can't remember what network Dateline's on. I think it's NBC. Um, so the NBC app and then like two or three other apps on the Apple TV that are people running, you know, channels running their own apps. Um, have these fucking commercial breaks that are just oppressive. Oppressive. Um, for example, like if you watch a Dateline episode that's 40 minutes, it takes almost an hour and a half to watch the Dateline episode because there are seven to nine commercial breaks. Holy shit. And you can't skip them. You, 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 I mean, if you pause it, it just fucking sits there. You try to skip it. It just goes back to the... So it's like you're, you're in the middle of the commercial break. You know, like um, it could be seven commercials. You're on commercial three and you try to like skip it. It'll go back to the beginning of commercial one. Um, oh, dear God. No, so, do that. <laughs> so uh, they've been driving me nuts. So I, all of a sudden I had this like epiphany. I'm like, fuck them. So I just started when when the moment the commercial break would start, I would just turn turn the volume down on the TV, mute it, pick up my iPad, and read something until the commercial break was over. And it's it's been really nice because it's a you know like you don't want to read a book like that necessarily, but to you know little things on the internet that I have saved on my reading list and stuff like that, it's a great time to rip through little articles and then like oh show's back on, put the article back down, watch till the next commercial break, pick up, finish that article. Watch some more of the show, pick it up, start a new article. So I've been manipulating them. Fuck them. <laughs> I'm using their time to educate myself. I mean, I will tell you now that I, I have so little concept of what it's like to watch anything on TV anymore. <laughs> I kind of miss it. Um, just because the, I was just talking about this with Nova. Um, and what I miss about it is there was so less thought involved on our part. Um, You know what I mean? Like what was on was on. There's no debate. There's nothing. It's just, it's what's on and you either watch it or you don't. Sometimes I turn on the TV and I flip around for like five, 10 minutes going, I want to watch this. Nah, I don't feel like that. What about this? Nah, I don't feel like that. That's just stupid. That's a waste of time. (laughs) Well, let me ask you this though. I mean, it's, I mean, that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big commitment though. Like, I mean, I, I think I kind of do the same thing as you do. Like I, I, the few times I do watch things with commercials, I feel like I treat them differently. Like I definitely mute the TV um, and just let it run. But do you, do you, so, so how many people do you think are doing that? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, probably not a lot. Yeah, I was going to say, because, but but part of the issue too is that, especially for guys like you and I, we're so trained to watch things in a, in a, in a streaming service that it's tough for us to have the patience to even sit through five minutes worth of commercials, which by the way, is literally how long they are now. Well, you know what people, this is, this is a good, these are two good things that happen from commercial breaks with stream, with not streaming TV, with broadcast television. People go to the bathroom, they get up and get something to eat, or my favorite of all of them, was if you're watching a show and then it goes on commercial, that's when you turn and you talk to the person that you're watching with. Oh, true. Those are all healthy behaviors. 
Sure, um, sure. So it, it's in a way you can, I mean, what I'm doing is a way of, of maybe trying to, I didn't realize it, but maybe I'm trying to build a healthy behavior like that. I'm reacting to something that's trying to constrict me and finding another way to deal with it. Mm. It's, huh. it's, it's, it, it doesn't happen a lot because I'm not watching, you know, I'm watching History Channel like twice a week because we can go into that now if you want because I, I think that channel is full of shit. Um, they need to rename that channel. Because oh, man, that, that, it's been full of shit for a long time, by the way. I oh, stopped yeah. watching the History Channel probably four, maybe five years ago, and I've never gone there. The only, there's only two things I watch on there. Um, I watch Curse of Oak Island, number one, because I've been watching it so many seasons. I want to see what the fuck these guys find. I've always been fascinated with Oak Island. Um, but even that show, the people on that show aren't full of shit. Um, they seem like good people. But if you pay attention to people's clothing, you know, somebody who did video for a little while, you pay attention to people's clothing, you pay attention to other things, and you can see the way they manipulate the timeline of things. Mm. Like a couple of days later, and you're like, that's not a couple of days later. That's today. He's wearing the same clothes. Um, or, you, you know, like if you watch people's drinks and the, the level changes and you're like, oh, th- this is later and they're putting it here and this is from earlier because he hasn't even touched his beer yet. Um, so they're, they're obviously manipulating you on, on many fronts and that show continually never gets anywhere. Um, but I'm addicted to it. Yeah, I was going to say, then why the hell do you keep watching it? Because I want to know what the fuck's on Oak Island. I just have to know. And, and there's no other... Nobody else is allowed to go up there. They're the only one with legit permits to go up there from the Canadian government. So even though the, their um, history channel is manipulating the timeline on it, it's the only thing you're ever going to find out from there. Yeah, but considering what it is, doesn't the disingenuous nature of that really bother you? No, because there's a certain there's a certain legal requirement for them. There's only so many things they can lie about. They can't lie about shit they find. Oh, sure. They'd be up for fraud. So they can't do that. So when they find stuff, that's real. Um, And then the other thing I've been watching, which is complete a fictional show, um, is Project Blue Book. It actually stars the guy who played Littlefinger in Game of Thrones. Oh, cool. Yeah. But but he plays an American. He plays J. Allen Hynek, the great uh, ufologist. Um, but yeah, you know, they should write two, if anybody from the history channel is listening, I have two ideas for what you guys could rename your channel. Um, if you want to really get people's attention and just really be honest up front, you can call yourself the bullshit channel. <laughs> um, or if you want to tone it down a little bit, I thought maybe the disinformation channel would be really good. Um, there's like, for even though the project blue book is a fictional show, you know, like it's actors. Um, but it's supposedly based on real events, right? Yeah. They don't understand, <laughs> apparently don't understand how you're supposed to deal with things that are based on true events. Uh, when you fictionalize parts of a story based on true events, what you fictionalize are the things that can't be verified. You know what sure. I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, UFOs came down. Okay, we don't know. There's no, you know, no way to prove whether that happened or not. Cool. So you can fictionalize that all you want. But, you know, this person's president. Can't really lie. Truman was president. Truman has to be president in the show. Um, so they have the Secretary of Defense die in a bomb, in a car bomb. He didn't die in a car bomb. Truman had two Secretary of Defenses. One of them got fired. <laughs> and the other guy lived to 75 years old. 
you, how can you just like kill off a person that was real in real life that didn't die that way? Well, I guess that's how you market it, right? Like that's why the whole based on a true story thing exists the way that it does. What people don't realize is that it can be very loosely based on on a true story. Yeah, there's. I think there's a certain percentage. It's like, oh, 10% of this happened. Therefore, it qualifies. God, but how the hell do you even gauge that? I don't know. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah, nobody gives a shit. I mean, I I know. I mean, I'm 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 pretty crazy about these things, and I don't give a shit. So right. I can't imagine. I can't imagine normal, not normal people. That's the wrong way to put that. No, but I can't. But I can't imagine your average person giving a rat's ass about how close it is to the the actual you know historical event, unless it had some kind of profound effect on. Well, which Project Blue Book you could argue does have a profound effect on on the the. American culture as we we understand it now, you know, but uh, I don't know. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of other shit that they do that's, you know, like, for example, technically Project Blue Book was the third iteration of this project. It had two names before that, but they have this start out as Project Blue Book and stay Project Blue Book. So they simplify a lot of history. That I can kind of understand. But fucking killing off someone who was a real person, (laughs) that's just stupid. Uh Oh man, I feel like we're going to do an episode entirely about MK Ultra. We should. We should. I'm, I'm throwing that on there. I'm going to throw it on our list. That MK Ultra sounds control. like something. Yeah, mind control and just the different iterations of mind control. Then we'll probably end up talking about cults and which Ted I, Kaczynski. Yeah, which which I I can't I kind of can't wait to talk about as well. Have you heard this rumor that Ted Kaczynski cut off his penis? What? No. I don't remember. I think it might have been last podcast on the left. Someone somebody said that he. Um, he had cut off his dick, um, and I tried verifying it, which unfortunately in 2019 means going into a search engine and looking around for two minutes. <laughs> oh no, I, I can't even I can't even imagine what you found. I couldn't find anything, but um, luckily I didn't find any weird porn. Um, otherwise, I'd be sharing it with all of the audience because once Yay. again, renewed <laughs> sense of I don't give a fuck. Man, you're really on that kick. You got to explain the genesis of that thing. Uh, so, blah, blah, blah. okay, fine. So, I, I'm deleting all of our social media. Yep. All of it, not just Instagram. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, fuck it. It's all gone. Um, the reason for that is uh, the best way to say it is all these books that I've been reading, that I've been sharing with you guys, and how many episodes of this show. I've been ripping into social media. At a certain point, you start feeling like you're full of shit because you're saying, I know this and I believe this is true. I believe it's true enough to be telling my audience this, yet I'm promoting the same episode where I'm talking about how social media sucks on social media. It's just complete hypocrisy and I hate hypocrisy. Yeah, there's a stark irony there, sure. Um, And to be honest... um, Social media doesn't do shit for us. Um, when I post on social media, we get like maybe, um, be, th- and I mean this show and Creative Minds, maybe three to five more listens. I mean, it's minuscule. So like, why am I even fucking bothering with this shit that I hate, that I've never liked, that I don't want to be involved with, that I keep reading about how f- it's fucking destroying society. So I'm technically con- contributing to that by taking part in it. And then coming on here and sounding like a fucking hypocrite saying that it's all bullshit like I am right now and still having the accounts. So I was like, no, it's time. It's got to go. Might as well kill it. But uh, I'm not doing it in a reactionary way. I'm taking my time. I'm going to delete them in a month. 
Um, I'm just announcing it and I'm slowly letting that sink in and maybe I'll re-announce a few more times. And like with my personal Facebook, which is also going bye-bye. Um, so I'll be social media free. I deleted LinkedIn already. Um, I, on, on my personal Facebook, I started, I announced it on my personal Facebook and said, you know, it's not happening right this second. So if you want to make sure that you keep in contact with me, send me your contact info and then anybody that I would that I could think of on there that I only knew through or that I could only contact through Facebook, I made sure to get an email address or a phone number from them. And uh, you know what's crazy, Lamb? Hmm. In the last two days, I, this has been happening in the last two days, I've had approximately 23 conversations. Oh, geez. These are people... Number one, I like all of these people, obviously. Tw- these are people that I haven't... Uh, let me put this another way. I've had 23 conversations in the last two days since I said I was leaving social media. You know how many conversations I had before that? I had mm. none. <laughs> like other than you. Um, like you and maybe one or two other people in the last four months. Wow. That wasn't related to something, you know, like, please come on the podcast or or something like that. So it just goes to show that that word social and social media is complete bullshit because in fact, it was a stopping block because I was, I've been been thinking about that. I'm sorry. Am I ranting too much? No, no, by all means, keep going. Okay. I have have such a, an interesting counterpoint to this. Okay. So uh, you think about when you have access to people at any time you want, you take that for granted. So you never contact them. But then when it becomes more difficult to contact them, you realize that you have to do something about that. Um, I don't know if that makes that very clear, but it, it's kind of like the, in, in a way, it's analogous to the, um, what's that fucking hamburger place called? Uh, <laughs> Which one are you talking about? The one that has like four things on the fucking menu. Oh, In-N-Out Burger, sure. Yeah, In-N-Out Burger. Thank you. Um, In-N-Out Burger menu. You know, it's like three things. And because there's only three things, people fucking love it because it's minimized choices, right? It's not that their food isn't good or anything like that. But I mean, that's their big thing. It's it's, it's a really simple menu. And then you go other places where like, I remember there's a restaurant chain. I don't know if they still exist, but there used to be a restaurant chain in the Bay Area here called Elephant Bar. And you would go into that place and they would literally give you a fucking um, spiral bound book. Oh, it's ridiculous. That's that, that was like uh, 35 pages long. I mean, I w- it would take me forever to find out what I wanted. Dude, and, let me ask you this. How how much do you think is that that's done deliberately to keep people panicked? When you say that, which of the many, many things I just ranted about, do you mean? <laughs> well, because I think specifically about certain about certain chains, right? Like the Elephant Bar was one, Cheesecake Factory is another where their menus are so vast that people just continually come back to them. Um, I, think, I think what the, in reality, what I think it is, is that they're trying to please everybody. So they just keep adding more and more things to make sure that there's something for everybody. Having worked in a restaurant with a fairly extensive menu, that's usually what happened. I like, see. Oh. I don't want to serve. I don't want to serve steak. Everybody serves steak, and then people come in. They're like, "You don't have steak? Fuck." Okay, let's put steak on the menu, and you just keep doing that. And 
you know, they, they, they never take anything away. They just keep adding. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if a chain like Cheesecake Factory is that stupid though. Uh, yeah, I definitely think they are. <laughs> really? Okay. Well, that's interesting. I think the chain ones are the, are the worst because the people at the top aren't food people. Oh, true. Good point. They're business people. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, well, if that sells, why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we have it on our menu? Sure. You know, whereas a chef's like, it, it's gross. I don't want to serve that. Yeah. And, or I want to make a few things well, rather than a bunch of things not well. Or like, uh, like my friends, um, Jimmy and Stefan, well, they're not chefs, but at their restaurants, um, Lexington House and uh, Black Sheep Brasserie, they change the menu continually. It's always a changing menu. Um, I don't know if it was for a while there, it was every week. I don't know if they're doing every week now. It might be every couple of weeks. I Um, think they they, they slightly modify it every week, but I don't think they completely change it. Yeah. For the first, I think, year or year and a half, Lexington House changed the menu every week. Uh, just because they wanted to do, do new things and try things. And it was, they're into food. Uh, totally different mindset. Totally different mindset. Um, sure. And anybody listening should go eat there. Both places. Yeah, they're, um, both, they're both phenomenal. Sure. And they're fantastic people too. It's, it's not like the, you know, sometimes you go to restaurants and they're run by assholes. And this, these, these are fantastic people. Um, so where was I in this whole, oh, so yeah. So fascinating that the moment I'm leaving social media and it's just like, and I'm, I've made appointments to appointments. Fuck, what the fuck am I talking about? I've, I've scheduled times to like physically hang out with people. Um, sure. and it, it's honestly, it, it's, it's just funny because it's like that word is stamped on there to make you think that's what it is when it's actually the opposite. And this, this, we won't do it right now, but we're going to go into a lot of this stuff in when I tell you a little bit about Team Human. But that's kind of what the driving factor behind all of that was. So what was your counterpoint? I I literally lived the opposite life that you do. In that prior to all of the stuff currently happening in my life, I mean, and it's my job and it's what I do as well um, outside of my job, but I literally have 100 conversations a day. <laughs> Oh yeah, but um, on social media or on the phone? No, in person most of the time. Um, mm. So, what all of the deleting of social media is? So, so social media has had the opposite effect for me, in the sense that, well, I don't know if opposite is the right way to put it, but there's too much stimulus on social media. So now, whenever I run into people, I don't have normal conversations. It's discussing what's on social media. Right, which isn't conversation. Yeah, which is not conversation. It's a recounting of of, of fiction, essentially. And that's um, that's that's a good word you use there, stimulus. I wouldn't call them social medias. I would call them stimulus networks. Oh, they're they're entirely stimulus networks. So now that I'm starting to back off my social media so so strongly, um, I'm starting to have more and more real conversations with people. So I'm having fewer conversations, but the conversations I'm having are much more meaningful. Um, and so I'm I'm coming from a different direction, but ending up at the same result, which is odd. And apparently now we have to talk about Team Human because that's essentially what the fucking book is about. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Um, this number one, uh, I don't usually share my quote unquote star ratings, um, but this out of five, this is a five for me. It's just there's I I, I highlighted this is a fairly short book. I highlighted 75 things in this book. Holy shit. And it's, and it's just because, number one, either like, whoa, that's interesting, or wow, that's really well said. 
just so many times. It was just, I mean, I filled this thing with fucking highlights. It's, it's, uh, Douglas Rushkoff is just a fantastic, um, thinker. And the way he thinks about technology is very unique. Um, it fits into all of the books that I've been kind of going through. Um, but this, it, it goes off in the, into a different realm. Um, see, so what I've tried, what I've been trying to do, and this is kind of a little tangent, but it's a good time for this tangent. I realized that reading a lot of these books, especially, you know, I'm trying to come in here every week with a new book. Um, and there's other books that I'm reading too at the same time that I get to a point where I finish the book and I'm like, I know what the book is about. And then when I try to articulate it, I, I can't, like, I can't, um, I can't pull the pieces together to like, you know, like I remember reading it and I remember things from it, but I can't give like the, the through line of the book. Right. Mm. So, so what I've been doing is when I finish, I, I print out the, all the highlights that I've taken from the book and I sit and I reread the highlights and then I write out a summary. I'm like, okay, so this is, you know, anything that I think is like about the, the whole meaning of the book, I'll write. Mm -hmm. And then I have like, okay, now I have this list of like, I don't this, like three pages. And then I take that again and then I summarize that again. And then it's really helping me to like, let this stuff actually sink into a way that it actually can come out of my mouth. Um, so one of the things that he talks about in here is, um, when the internet first came around, there was like this promise of, you know, it was this new thing and it was going to change everything. It was going to provide us with something that we hadn't had before. And that, you know, there are these many, um, uh, revolutions that we've gone through. You know, you had the industrial revolution, um, you, you had technological revolutions of, of some sort, you know, like radio and just it changed the world. And this was going to change that in a very different way. And it was going to, it was a promise of a communication and a freedom that we hadn't had before. And what's actually happened instead is it's been co-opted. That there's these tech, the technologies, not only the technologies, but the markets and cultural institutions that all revolve around these things and even further out from them, they now they've all figured out a way to manipulate the systems and they're all conspiring to do what essentially isolates us and they they repress our desire to connect in a real meaningful way. You know, like when you think about actually having a conversation with somebody in person, it feels a little tiring because it's so much easier to just send happy birthday on Facebook. Um, and these are all purposeful manipulations of us because our our economy is it's driven now it's driven by this the constant need for things to update and to um grow and to move faster right you got to have this you know like right now i guarantee you there will be a certain point where apple and um android releasing yearly updates of you know like here's ios 11 there's going to be a certain point where a year is too long and they're going to have to do it every six months. And that'll be too long. And, and this will all be based not on, um, on us, which is, you know, people think well, it's, it's our desire for these things. No, it isn't. It's the market. And when the market starts dipping, they realize, oh, shit, you know, our numbers are, you know, like Apple's had a little number problem recently. Um, so the market is, it's this continually fueling, it's fueled off of this continual desire. And so they have to, this is what they're pushing into us and using these systems on us to keep this system pumping. 
Um, there's a whole bunch more. So I'm going to take a break between each point so that you can, I don't want to talk all myself for an hour. Um, what do you think about that? I definitely, I mean, we've, we've kind of touched on this in, in, in smaller ways. Um, Absolutely. And so I, I definitely do think that the, 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 the human, the, the human ability to consume is definitely a commodity that is now being um, husbanded and cared for in a very specific way, almost like we're being cultivated um, as consumers. So I definitely do feel like there that. So I mean, ex- extrapolate that a little bit more for me. So from a, from a perspective of of the human experience versus how the human experience is being defined um, by by people and companies. I mean, it, it, extrapolate that a little bit more for me based on what the book says. Well, here let me give you a good example. Um, a good example is um, they're manipulating our adrenal glands. <laughs> This all sounds like conspiracy theory shit, but this is legitimate. Um, and if you pick up this book, there's like, uh, I don't know, like uh, 15 pages of fucking um, of source material in the back of this book. I mean, the, 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 from internet articles to scientific uh, surveys to other books, it's just full of information. So essentially... Um, Scientists know that, uh, I think in the specific case that they mentioned in there, um, they've done studies to find that isolated men, me, um, (laughs) isolated (laughs) men have higher adrenal levels. So um, I don't know if it's specific to males or they just did the study on males. Um, I would assume it's just that they'd only done the study on males because it doesn't seem like adrenal glands between the sexes would be that different. Mm. Anyways, um, by being isolated, your adrenal glands are higher. And of course, we know, especially if you've listened to the show, that having um, higher levels of adrenaline means you have anxiety. Sure. So um, we have these algorithms that what essentially they do is they personalize our feeds, right? But by personalizing their feeds, and this has come up in other books too, is they actually isolate us because we live in this little bubble of what we see but, you know, like what I see, like if I were to sign on Facebook right now, what I see is different than you, Lamb, but we're both on the same site. So I'm actually isolated because I'm only seeing these things and what you're seeing is different. So we're, we're almost living in different worlds mm. so that they're, they're creating isolation, which, and I don't, I don't think they're purposely um, thinking about the adrenal glands, but essentially they know what the effect of this is and the middle step is that they're giving us anxiety um and proof of that is since the birth of social media i think we mentioned this with the last book since the the birth of social media we've seen a dramatic spike in anxiety levels across the board yep um which obviously you know correlation um doesn't always mean causation but it looks pretty fucking good um and another thing that we know is that the worst things, we talked about this before, the worst things are spread more rapidly than the good things because um, I think it was uh, Tim Wu or Jaron Lanier, it was Jaron Lanier, said that the negative emotions are the cheap ones, they're the bargain emotions because we can't turn away from them. You know, our instinct makes us look at bad things like rubbernecking or um, it's hard to look away. You, know, you wouldn't want to look away from a fire or a lion, but you might 
it's less important uh, survival wise to be able to look away from your wife. Mm. So when negative things come in, they get our attention because we can't look away from them. Um, it's literally our biology. Uh, so the interesting thing about that though, is these negative things, um, we'll say misogynistic, we'll use uh, misogyny. The most misogynistic posts, you know, who's spreading them the most Mm. feminists Uh. or racist posts, you know, who's reposting those the most anti-racist people of color. (laughs) Because people are outraged, so they spread it more. So actually, uh, people are spreading things that they that they don't believe more than they're spreading things that they believe. So they're perpetuating outrage because now they're outraging more people. And because of that, these, these people that are um, posting these negative things are spurred on to post more negative things. So now that raises to the level, you know, Lanier talked about that in the bummer system. That stuff is what raises to the top because it gets the most hits. And Facebook and Twitter, they don't care. And Instagram, they don't care about why something raises to the top. Sure. Just that it does. So now, you, now you're an outrage. And when you are an outrage, guess what? Your adrenaline goes up. So now you have even more anxiety. And then uh, memes, you know, memes are so popular. And especially, especially, um, I've seen, I don't, I, I can't say that it isn't on the left. Um, I would assume it is, but I definitely see a lot of memes um, on the right. Um, I would assume it's on both. I just haven't seen them in my time. But memes, um, memes are meant to, people don't know this, <laughs> but essentially they're meant to trigger your fight or flight response. And they do. Oh, jeez. So now guess what they do? They raise their anxiety. <laughs> your adrenaline goes up. So all these things keep perpetuating the state of anxiety, which when we go back to the Lanier book, when he's talking about how um, this is analogous to gambling addiction, because in gambling addiction, you're not addicted to gambling because of the times that you win. You're actually addicted because of the times you lose. Sure. And so this negative sense keeps bringing us back. And so we keep feeding into it more. And the time we spend in the apps gets more and more and more. So that's kind of what I mean by they're perpetuating this inside of us biologically. And if you look, I I can't give you articles because I haven't looked for it. But almost all these books have mentioned that Facebook has done research in this and wildly enough, has researched, has released this information. You know, like there's apparently there's some Facebook blog out there that said, we know how to make people sad. Jeez, that is horrifying. And then, but, but not surprising though. I mean, I feel like not a, surprising. A, a desperate and sad population is definitely much easier to sell things to. Exactly. Because you're, you're always, you want, yeah, absolutely. So it's 100% defining a controllable consumer and building, if you can't, if you can't figure out what your demographic wants, then make your demographic. <laughs> right. And, and the thing about mimetic communication, communication through memes, we, people think that that's personal empowerment, that they're expressing something from inside themselves. You know, like mm-hmm. by putting up this picture that says these four words, that I'm expressing, you're not expressing something inside yourself. You're just reposting something. 
And it actually restrains true engagement because rather, I mean, even if it's not a meme, just like think about retweeting or reposting on Instagram. You're not actually communicating. You're literally just going here and passing something on. That's the opposite of communication. Hmm. And so that increases isolation and also increases anxiety. Sure. Uh, what's this? Well, we, uh, sometimes I can't read my notes. <laughs> and and that's probably not helpful that I'm drinking during this show. That's all right. I always drink during this show. Like actual alcohol. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't drink alcohol during the show. I don't drink alcohol. What am I saying? Um, oh, we've reached a point where seeing things... So they talk about, um, he talks about in this book how um, they found that uh, you actually, when when there's threats to your relationship, which kind of ironic considering what you were just talking about earlier, um, that actually manifests in the same part of the brain that we feel physical pain. Yeah, um, that makes sense. <laughs> so we've reached a point because of these um, mimetic thoughts and all of this stuff, this reductionist thinking that all of these systems are built to create we've reached a point where seeing something that we don't agree with might actually be causing us physical pain. Mm. So there's no incentive to engage in a real conversation because you might disagree with that person and then that might hurt. Well, that's also the, the, I mean, I forget you were talking about this at some point too, the wussification of America. um, Oh yeah. Coddling. Yeah. In, in that, in that, Difficult things are, are. I mean, I'm sorry, the things that are worthwhile are supposed to be difficult. Right. That's kind of the point. And, and if you're not willing to have a tough conversation, it's, and it goes back to Tim Ferriss, which I'm shocked we don't talk about a little bit more, um, like for our work week and some of the stuff that's come from Tim Ferriss. He, he defines success as the number of uncomfortable conversations you're willing to have. Right. I mean, that's, you could say that's what this show is. It's one yeah. continuous, uncomfortable conversation. Not Which between fasc- us. It, it fascinates me. That it, no, that's, that's not necessarily true either. I just don't think they're difficult for us because I think they've become second nature. But most of the things we talk about are pretty fucking heavy. Yeah, that's true. Heavy, heavy conversations. And that's why people have always called me intense. Heavy conversations have never repelled me. Yeah, I'm same fascinated here. by them. You say same here? Yeah, same here. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm 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 really horrible with chit chat. Like I don't I don't have idle chit chat. I'm incapable of it. So when I have a conversation with somebody, I ask them real questions about real shit and I'm actually interested in the answers. And that's that's unfortunately what these you know, like first of all, um arguing on Facebook does not count for what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> because there's still once again going back to thing we repeat over and over again, there's no place for nuance there. None. Sure. Um which is going to come up again later. Um, let me see. Let me give you some other stuff from this book. There's just a little bit left, I think. Um, one of the things too, we push shame. You know, um, and this was a very interesting point. He talks about shame. You know, we've talked about shame when I read. So you've been publicly shamed, and I talked about it on the show. But um, what we should be doing, he says. So his whole point in this book, obviously, is that we should be on Team Human. Hence the title. Um, and these things are anti-human. Uh, we should be promoting openness. Um, for people to share things that are uncomfortable. Um, but instead, we we rely on shame. This whole outrage culture could also be called shame culture. Sure. Um, and so w- what we're doing is we're actually, we're reducing what it means to be human. Uh, so uh, when you shame somebody, what you're saying is you don't belong here. Which is... Or we're, or we're compartmentalizing 
I don't know if it's because the, what defines humanity will always change, right? So I don't think it's, I don't think it's it's fair to say that we're we're changing that way. I think that we're we're purposefully manipulating it now um, in a way that 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 isn't defined by culture anymore, or at least not in the same way that we've understood culture leading up until now. No, I think you're misunderstanding what I mean. I okay. mean we're reducing um, we're reducing the spectrum. Oh, sure, sure, sure. So, okay, yeah. Um, for example, we talk we talk about um, not you and I, but um, society talks a lot recently about gender fluidity. Um, that that, for example, if if anybody has seen the new season of uh, Queer Eye, for actually it's just called Queer Eye. Um, there's one specific episode in there where there's a woman, but she's kind of she likes to dress in camo and stuff like that. But she she feels feminine, but she doesn't know how to dress feminine. And so they talk about, you know, you have to go to the place where she is. Um, you know, her definition of what, what it is to be a woman doesn't have to be what this person thinks it is to be a woman and what this person thinks. Everybody has their own definition on that spectrum. And so expand that beyond. We, we're, we are, the way we behave online is that this nuance and all of these things that are what it means to be human. When you shame somebody, you're saying you're not in that. We push that away. We don't want that in here. And we don't want that in here. And we don't want that in here. So you're, you're the narrowing and narrowing and narrowing the definition. So when you, like, unfortunately, you know, like we've talked about this before, but free speech means um, say people saying things that you don't agree with. And, and you, they have to be able to do that. But when you shame people out of that, what you actually do is you, you reduce them from being human, you make them something other than human, and and, and obviously they are because they're just pixels on a screen to you. They're not a person. Um, so it's really easy to do that, and it's not to say that, like you said, that society um, there aren't shifts in society that happen um, that are positive. You know, like uh, slavery. You know, we don't we don't want to bring that back, <laughs> and it was good that that went away. <laughs> that was a that was a narrowing. That was a good way, but we're narrowing nuance you know not these things where it's like this this is objectionably we we we're agreeing that this is objectionably bad uh, um that this this is just we don't want this you know like murder we can all agree that murder sucks because nobody wants to walk down a street and get shot in the head sure or have it happen to their children or their wife or their husband um so th- those are different narrowings this is more narrowing of, of these minor things to the point where it, what it is, it's creating this like strict status quo that is almost, I would, I would almost say it's analogous to when we look back at the strictures of 1950s America, that this is what's acceptable, but that keeps getting narrower and narrower. Do you think though that they've become narrower to the overall, but more broad to smaller groups? No, really? No, I, I don't see I, any I broadening do. anywhere. Mm, okay. Um, for example, the left attacking the left, the right attacking oh, the right. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, they're narrowing themselves against themselves. Yeah, because you're not extreme enough, quote unquote, for any particular group of people. Yeah. Mm. Um, and what's, well, I, I love this part because you know how I love um, <laughs> the roots of words. But he he goes into entertainment, and he says, anybody know what the roots of the word entertainment are? Um, it literally means to hold within. 
So a synonym for entertainment could be maintain or constrain. Sure. So uh, he talks about the idea that entertainment and things that are made purely for entertainment are actually driven to preserve the status quo. Mm. Um, and, and this isn't like some grand conspiracy, but it means it, it's just the way that we think that, you know, like everything should come to a clean conclusion. Nobody wants to watch a TV show where you don't find out who the killer or a movie where you don't find out who the killer was. And which we just, which we discuss on a fairly regular basis. <laughs> right. And because we talk about David Lynch and he talks about David Lynch in there, he's like, David Lynch is one of the few exceptions that challenges that. Sure. Um, so it's, it's like that kind of narrowing and expand. Uh, it's, it's just, it's fascinating because his whole point is, and I didn't even take notes on this cause I figured I'd just wing this part, but um, his whole point is there are things that we could be doing to counteract this stuff. He doesn't even, he doesn't even in there. I don't think there's even one single place in there. He says, delete your social media. Um, what he says is we need to start focusing on things that make us more human things that um, focus on nuance, things that focus on communication and cooperation. Um, he talks about uh, the British used to have this thing called the commons. Um, and it was like a, a part of land that technically nobody owned, but everybody owned. Um, so if you, like, if you think of a community garden, something kind of like a community garden, you know, where... I'm part of this, you're part of this, you're part of this, we all grow there, but we, none of us, not just one of us owns it. Um, but with the commons, it was kind of like, it was something different. I don't, he didn't really go into talking a lot about what the commons are. I might actually read a book about it. But he talks about these ideas of, you know, like nobody can tell you not to walk there because it's commons. You know, anybody can walk there. And it's, but it's different than public land because public land is related to the government. This had nothing sure. to do with the government. Um, he talks about uh, creating all of the things that we've lost, um, creating, creating physical communities. And uh, I can't really even begin to explain. But great book. Read it. Um, I mean, the audience, you still have another book to read. <laughs> Which one do you want me to start on? Digital minimalism. You need that yeah. one right now. Got it. You have to read that one. That one is, it's literally, I said it before, it's made for you. <laughs> it's made for anybody, but more so you because of the things you bring up over and over again. It's almost like questions you have. When I was reading that book, I'm like, oh, there's the answer. Sure. So, yeah. Team Human, Douglas Rushkoff. Man, I would love to get him on Creative Minds. Hmm. All right. Oh. I feel. I feel like. I feel like. Well, just purely from that perspective, too. Um, if I'm going to help you start booking people for Creative Minds, you know, we're literally just going to talk about shit on the show that has nothing to do with the show. Um, put up a <laughs> put up a list of dream people. I did already. Oh, did you? One, two, three, four, Wait, five, hell? six, seven, on, eight hold people. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Dude, where... and I gave you contact information for each of them. Wait, where the hell is that? Uh, I invited you to it. Shit, I'm looking in the wrong place. Okay, I, I totally missed that that was there. Okay, got it. Running, got it, running it. theme of this show right now for all the listeners is Lamb Learns Dynalist. 
Yeah, I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> like, I've I've been I've, my brain has not been in a normal space for a couple of weeks. Um, so I I will return back to what makes me me very soon. Let's talk about the um, oh shit. You know what? While we're still there, um, where did I put that? Da, 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 da. That's from that. That sound is from that fucking stupid Dune miniseries. <laughs> Somebody, they, it's like this attack call they do at one point. You really don't like that show? No, I mean it's only three episodes, and I still suffered through it. Um, okay, so one of the things I want to talk about while we're on social media tangentially is, so we've talked before about the tweet, which I obviously can't remember the exact thing about the. The girl who tweeted um, that she was going to Africa. Hope I don't get AIDS. Um, just kidding. I'm white. Ha ha. So interesting. Mark Engels and I talked about that on Creative Minds episode. I haven't edited yet, but we'll go up soon. And he pointed out something. Well, he didn't point out something. He, he started talking about that. Um, and I realized something in the way he was talking about it was um, every time I read that, what I saw and... Maybe it's because I was uh, privy to um, the way that she was treated in So You've Been Publicly Shamed by John Ronson and knowing her history of tweets and the way that she, um, like the tone of things that she normally did. So when I would read that, I read that as, you know, like um, going to Africa, hope I don't get AIDS, just kidding, I'm white, ha, ha, ha. And the ha, ha, ha is I'm just being sarcastic. you know what I mean? Like I'm making fun of, in a way, making fun of the fact that uh, that white people in Africa have it better than black people in Africa. Sure. Um, the way that he read that was, and I'd never, literally never, until that happened, I didn't even occur to me that you could read the tweet that way, was that the ha 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 was like a maniacal laugh. Like ha ha ha, only black people get AIDS. Ha ha ha. Oh, geez. Like it's able to read that. You're able to read that same tweet, those same letters, um, same words without the nuance. Interesting. And without the sarcasm. And it means something completely different. And then when I, once I realized that I started thinking about all the things that people were saying. And I'm like, that's why they said that because it's, it's like when I read Don Quixote, why didn't I enjoy Don Quixote? Because Don Quixote is a comedy, but I didn't, I didn't ever feel like it was being funny. So I read it seriously and I was like, this book is fucked up. Um, So I just thought that was an interesting thing to talk about because we talk about nuance and that we have to remember that you can read things multiple ways. So what I think is important is that we stop worrying about what somebody tweets and worry about what pattern is evolving. That one tweet doesn't mean shit unless there's a pattern of that. And the example I give is, are you familiar with the podcast Sword and Scale? Yes, absolutely. Okay, that podcast doesn't exist anymore. Oh, I didn't know that. He got fired from his network, um, Wondery. And he got fired from his network because he's had a pattern for years of just really crude sexist behavior. Um trying to pick up on women fans of the show asking them like publicly asking them to send him nude pictures um there's a whole tumblr i tried to find it again i couldn't find it again there's a whole tumblr dedicated to screenshots of of obscene things and and horrible things this dude has said over the years jeez 
And I think that that is a really good counterpoint to this girl. It's a girl who said one thing and we fucking destroyed her life. And then there's this guy who has a year's pattern of just abuse. Two very different people, but we treated them both the same. And I don't think that's right. That's fascinating. And I mean, even even if she did mean that one tweet in the negative way, that's one. You know, like... I'm gonna tell, you know, I've never done the show. I'm going to tell a joke. <laughs> and it's, it's a... Oh, no. <laughs> did you plan this, dude? I did not plan this. You, um, I kind of don't believe you. I'm going to try to... Uh, I, it, it literally never occurred to me until right now. Um, when I was told this joke, I was told it with, um, one, with the, one of the characters having this um, Irish accent. I'm just going to leave that out because I don't think it's an important part of the story. Um, yeah. So anyways, guy walks into a bar. There's an old guy sitting at the bar down down away from him. And he, he sits down, he orders his drink. And the old guy looks over at him and he's rubbing his hand on the bar. And he says, you see this bar? It's a, it's a nice bar, isn't it? It's this nice wood, hardwood bar. And, I, and so the guy puts his hand on the bar. He says, yeah, it's a nice bar. He says, I made this with my own hands. But they don't call me Joseph the bar maker. So the guy looks at him and he goes, okay, whatever. Uh, goes back to his beer. A few minutes later, the guy, he moves over a couple seats, smacks him in the arm. He says, you see that door? See that, that wood door and that frame? I made those. I made those with my own hands. But they don't call me Joseph the door maker. He's like, what the fuck is this guy on about? So he's, now he's trying to ignore him. Now the guy is sitting next to him. And he says, you know, you look out that window. You see that pier out there? All that wood? I made that pier. I made it with my own hands. But they don't call me Joseph, the dock maker. But you fuck one goat. <laughs> That's what it makes me think of. Oh, I love it. I love that setup. That's what it makes me think of. Oh man! So you make so so we're that, making the world into goat fuckers. Yeah. So you're basically <laughs> defining people as goat fuckers, essentially. Yes. And I guess that that makes sense. I mean, that's. I don't know, man. I still have issues with that one, just because in that particular case, that's that's a pretty tasteless thing to say. But but I also understand the context thing too. Like, I mean, that wasn't meant for the world. That was just meant for people who knew her. Right. You know, like I we've talked about this before. You know, like when I was a younger man. Awful jokes went around. Oh yeah, I sure. I, dude, I still, I, I, I'm still known for saying the horrible, the occasional horrible thing now. But the people in my life know me well enough to know that I don't inherently believe the 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 philosophical thing that that makes that statement potentially true. Right. So, so like, so you're in a group of like. 20 friends, you know, like one of those lunches or the brunches we've gone to before, right? Yeah. Um, and you make that joke. And everybody knows you and everybody laughs. But what if somebody at the bar records that? And oh, then sure. puts it on television? Now, you're a racist asshole or a sexist asshole or whatever the thing, you know, that you're joking about. That's what you are to the world. That's exactly what happened to this girl. She oh, said man. something, regardless of whether what her intent was. She said it with the intent of people she knew, a small group of people she knew, hearing it. 
and then it's broadcast to the world. And that's just, I, I can't, I can't think that that, you know, going back to team human, I can't think that's human behavior. Hmm. That's shaming. That's, that's, that's shaming as a weapon. Sure. And, and, and it, it always, it continually reminds me of Lord of the Rings. I mean, Lord of the Rings of um, Lord of the Flies, you know, just kill whatever moves. Sure. And it, don't worry about what it is because we're in a frenzy. And it's just fucking stupid. Hmm. When we lose, I think, I don't know if it was in that book or if it was in something else I've read recently, but um, it, was, it was essentially along the lines of saying, when we, lose, when we lose the ability to see the humanness behind something like that, like a, the, you know, a racist, or when we lose the ability to see the humanness behind a sexist, we are worse than they are because we should know better. Do you believe that there's a line there though? What do you mean? What line between what? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to define that in my head right now as I'm saying it. Um, what then do we understand as inappropriate or is anything inappropriate? I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't, first of all, I mean, why are we so fucking worried about what's inappropriate? Oh, that's true. I mean, why do we have to be thought pleased? You know what I mean? Like, so, so somebody's inappropriate, then they're inappropriate. That's what they are. Why do we have to like avenge it? You know, the the problem with that though, is that philosophically as an individual, I, I, I agree with you, but we have to live with other people. So how do we then survive in the context of a social construct for propriety without, without compromising our ideals about, about not being politically correct or not being, you know, inherently censored in a way that, that defines us? I don't know. I mean, it's, I don't think that there's ever going to be a clear line for that. There isn't. There never has been. You know what I mean? It's, it's a continual process of gray. You know, like murder. Murder is not black and white. Self-defense, that's gray. War, is that murder? Certain points in history, somebody would have said yes. Other points in history, they'd say no. Well, I mean, our, our state just uh, put a moratorium on the death penalty. So, I mean, that, that kind of then kind of asks, it, it asks the extreme version of that same question, right? Like at what point, what, what is the line now? And I feel like the, the difficulty that you're trying to, to, to get across in all of this is there shouldn't be a line. The line itself is the problem, not where the line is. Right. And, I mean, think about it. This is, this is a good thing to maybe extrapolate on. When we think about judges, there's nobody in the world that wants a judge to be black or white on or sure. off, right? Sure, totally. Um, you want a judge to judge every single case individually. That's, that's, that's why it's difficult to be a judge. Otherwise, anybody could do it because all you have to do is pull out the book and go, says not to cross the street, you cross the street, you're fucked. Anybody could do that job. The reason being a judge is difficult is because you have to consider all these other things because every case is unique and individual. And what I'm seeing online is people acting like a hanging judge. Mm, sure. Not taking into account any individuality. 
Which then wraps around to the thing we always end up at somehow on this show, which is the death of nuance. It's 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 appalling. It really is appalling. Then nobody gives a shit about those little things anymore. But you know, the only time they care about it is when it, it involves them. You think about these people that say, you know, like um, I'll get, I, I've since I've uh, at one point espoused the idea of of open borders. Let me give you another argument. There are people who always say, you know, like immigration is it's a law. If you if you're not a legal citizen, you shouldn't be here, black or white. Mm-hmm. Do those people ever speed? Do those people ever go through the crosswalk when there's a person in the crosswalk? Do those uh, people ever do a California stop where they don't slow down? Do they ever break the law? Of course, of course. they do. Yeah, of course they do. Of course they do. But it doesn't. It doesn't matter because it doesn't count for them because they can see the nuance for themselves. They just don't have a context or an objectivity to see it for other people. Yes. And I think that's the same problem we're having here, where we're going, somebody said these words, that makes them racist. But we're not seeing the nuance going that maybe they're not racist, maybe they just said something stupid. And there's two, that's two very different things. Because there are, especially when we talk about um, the interpretation of words, like um, in, in the context of racism, sexism, all of these things, these are not clearly defined anywhere. So it's really easy sometimes, and I'm not saying that's what happened in this case, um, but there, it's really easy sometimes to say something that sounds like it might be racist when that's not even what was in your head at all. You're thinking something else. You just chose some, word, chose some words poorly, and somebody has interpretations of those words and context of those words that you're unaware of. Sure. So. Uh, it seems very clear. The reason I bring that up, it seems very clear in the case that nuance is needed there to understand in intent. And um, so even if, you know, this girl said a bad, a stupid joke, if her intent wasn't to be racist, she was just trying to be funny, that intent is important. Sure. Because, because we're making a, a value judgment on a human being, which first of all, I have a huge problem with. Um, but we're making a value judgment on a human being. You know, people giving her death threats and that's insane. Insisting that she be fired and all of these things. We we, no one was anyone taking into account the intent. And that's what bothers me because when we lose those things, we lose our humanity. And well, because I mean, if if intent becomes part of the and I think the 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 easiest part for me to understand what you're saying is if we're losing our humanity. at, at least from from what you're talking about as a context, I mean that means that there could have never been and will never be a stand up comic ever again, yeah, absolutely not, and that's something actually we Mark and I were talking about this in there, and I said, what if a stand up comic said that? Sure, I think the stand up comic would have got away with it, oh totally, and because especially it's like if, oh, you're allowed to be funny. and and that's 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 a weird thing it was like, oh, you're allowed to make an off color joke. Because it was good, so mm-hmm. so so I th- I feel like more than anything, what this girl got away got in trouble for was making a joke that wasn't funny. Sure. So what well, you know, she's being attacked for being racist, but really, what we're shaming her for is is a bad sense of humor. 
<laughs> that's, I mean, that's really what it is. Cause if it was funny and everybody thought it was funny and they saw the sarcasm in it, if she had worded it right and they understood the sarcasm of it, then there wouldn't have been a problem because it'd be like, Oh, she was just being sarcastic. She had sure. a good joke. Sure, but it's like Kramer's thing, right? I, I forget the, the Kramer example when he went on stage and basically blasted that guy um, using racial racial slurs and stuff like that. Um, his And that's a stand-up comic on a stage during the middle of a set. And his right. intent changed, and that's where the problem came. Well, his intent changed, and he also stopped joking. Yeah, exactly. Um, so his, his, his intent most people would say his intent was clear. Um, sure. I, I, I refuse to watch the video of it because I just don't need to hear that word because I honestly think that word is, you know, um, William Burroughs used to talk about word viruses. Yeah. I believe that word's uh, it's a virus. that so when you hear it, it swims around in your head for days and sure. it keeps popping up and you're like, I don't want that word in my head. Um, you know, something interesting that I forgot, there was one thing from that book that, we just talked ourselves into what he talks about is one of the problems with um, the internet is because the internet is, you know, it's all based in computers, right? Well, uh, it inspires binarity. I don't even know if that's a word. I made it up. Maybe it inspires us to think in binaries. Sure. On off. Did you send the email? Did you not send the email? Well, you know what it also inherently does too. And I think this is, it, it goes back to the, the point that you had a few minutes ago about, um, well, maybe you maybe you intended to make, maybe you didn't intend to make the point, but this is how I took it. Um, so I've been big on objectivity lately. And I think that, that having that emotional ob- objectivity um, or even just tangible objectivity allows you to see the world through a another person's perspective like in in the sense of that 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 girl who told that joke for example and that perspective allows you to to and and that perspective and objectivity then allows you to step out from your own perspective and understand something differently and i think that the the online culture that we've cultivated has almost entirely eliminated our ability to have that objectivity because i think the objectivity and the perspective comes from an inherent sense of empathy and empathy is something that quickly dies online. And, you know, going back to his point about the, the, there's no actual communication going on. There's no connection. Do, you, do, do the people that did this really think that that changed anything? They really think that they, you know, like, well, now that we crushed that girl, there's no more racism. Well, they, they don't realize that, that's, that the person they're crushing is a person and that you've just ruined a person's life. And she was right. young. And... The thing about it is, if one person, instead of, you know, 50,000 people or how many ever people just fucking shitting on her, if just one person had replied and said, hey, you know, that that can be understood as kind of racist, and then gave her a chance to reply, and she said, that wasn't my intention. I was being sarcastic, and this is what I actually meant, or the chance to say, yeah, I know it is. I'm racist. You know, yeah. whatever. You, there's an actual dialogue beginning there. That's not what happened here. Yeah, we fully, I mean, the world fully judged her before she even had a chance to see the responses. And to be clear, I know I bring up this girl a lot. I just think she's a really great example of a small thing going really big. I don't know if this girl's a racist or not. I don't know. I don't know her. Well, And, and when you start editing those things, then you can start... It's, I could very easily, very easily just using space change of an interview completely 
when I, I could I could make a joke mm-hmm. that you laughed at, but if I put a five second more, not anymore. It hasn't you, been that way for a long time, actually. You're guilty, and you don't even get a trial. Yeah, you just it's get whatever, shot in the face. It's whatever people decide that you are, and sometimes guilty people are seen as innocent, and innocent people are seen as guilty. So it works. It actually that actually cuts both ways. And it's it's and that's that binarity. Um, I really need to find out if that's a word because I like it. <laughs> I feel um, like that's that's going to be the name of the episode, whether we like it or not. Now, I like binarity. Yeah, or just binarity. Uh, I got to be careful because people might think I'm talking about male female binarity. Um, what I was going to say is about that binarity. That uh, just a small tangent that I thought you would find really fascinating. Um, he makes this point where he talks about uh, you see the the EU is kind of like sort of falling apart right now, right? Oh, completely, uh, yeah. And he says he thinks it's because um, in the computer age, we deal in binarity. We deal in binaries. But those ideas, the idea of a unified currency, the idea of free flow across borders, the idea of uh, everybody working together are ideas of the radio and television era. Because when you watch radio, or when you listen to radio and you watch television, you are so, and one of the ones on there, the thing that's the last one, you are solely responsible for what you say or do during the podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Sure. Therefore, if you say something that gets you in trouble, those are words that came out of your mouth. Sure. You know, you, you're the one that uh, said something that made the FBI show up at your door. Not me. Yep. And what the, why? Because the purpose of that is by signing that, signing their name under that, when they go into the episode, they're going to go, I need to think about what I'm saying before I say it. Sure. I'm going to relax, but this isn't, you know, where I can say something awful and be like, oh, never mind, cut that out. Well, I like the idea of, uh, you know... There has to be danger, right? Yeah, I was going to say, I was literally going to say that. Um, there's, <laughs> I wish the, I had interrupted you. In, an interview isn't an interview unless the stakes are high. Otherwise, it's, it's literally like nighttime talk shows. Yeah. And it's it's not to be mean or anything. That's like that's to be favorable. No, it just gives it meaning. It yeah, makes it, it makes it makes it matter to both parties. So there's nothing wrong with having value. <laughs> and I I'm don't edit myself, so I'm in the same bucket. You know, if somebody takes offense to the story I told earlier, mm-hmm. I'm in the bucket where I did tell that story. Yep, I Absolutely. did use that word. You know, and somebody took offense to that. Number one, sorry if you did, because you're not obviously paying attention to anything we've said in this episode about intent. Yep. But that's the world we live in, like you said, where people just... It's, you know what it is, Lam? It's, it's not even that people don't care about intent. Mm-hmm. It's that they're looking... Yeah. They're purposefully looking. Yeah. They're, purposefully they're waiting looking for to it. catch you. Yeah. They're that's, that's my that's my purity like that's my well that's my purity police problem right like it, it, it the context doesn't matter like the Biden thing for example I don't think that that was Joe Biden's best moment I think he could have been much smarter and much smoother about how he said that but the intent is definitely not that he was a racist dickhead and was friends with racist dickheads you know what I mean like that was not uh, he wasn't condoning racism actually is the, probably the better way for me to say that but to hear it from someone on this side of the aisle um, that is in that camp, you would think that he was. And that's not, that wasn't his intent at all. Did you see the follow-up interview with Al Sharpton that he did? No, I did not. 
because so this was this was very interesting because it got into paying attention to words and not paying attention to intent mm-hmm. at all or meaning even. Sure. Because what they focused the conversation that Al Sharpton focused the conversation on the use of the word boy and son, mm-hmm. and basically for anybody that if there's anybody out there that's completely unaware of the unaware of this, those two terms are terms that in the South in particular were used as derogatory terms towards black people, sure, black men in specifics, obviously because boy and son. It's diminutive, you know, like they aren't that they're not men was the idea of it essentially. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so he focused on the fact that that Biden had mentioned those words that this guy would say. He, I think, he said something along the lines of uh, this senator that was like superbly racist. He didn't call me boy; he called me son. And so Sharpton was paying attention to those words, and. What Biden was saying, he said, he's like, no, that's, he's like, I wasn't even talking about it in the context of those words at all. He's like, those were words that guy used. He said, he called me son because I was so young that I wasn't old enough for him to call me boy. Mm. That's what I meant by that. He said, it had nothing to do with black or white. It had to do with those are words that he used for age. Sure. And that, that the guy was like basically making fun of him, calling him kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Obviously, he didn't communicate that well either in the first exactly. thing. But that's, that's why it's so important for clarification. When we take the worst of things, then they eat up like fucking important news time. Sure. To find out that that wasn't important, that that wasn't his intent. You know what that means? That we wasted fucking time in the news cycle for fucking two weeks paying attention to that when we could have been paying attention to the environment, could have been paying attention to another police shooting. We could have been paying attention to uh, economic decline in a small Midwestern American town. Mm. And instead we fucking paid attention to that bullshit, which was a circus and a sideshow because it was nothing. Yeah, sure. That's what pisses me off about about it the most where it's like, there are so many things in the world that are so important, like you said, that we should be paying attention to. And when we pay attention to this shit, we take time away from that stuff. We take time away from the kid that's fucking starving. Mm-hmm. Or the fact that no one in Flint, Michigan still doesn't have flammable drinking water. Unflammable, you mean? Or unflammable, yeah. That's, that's ex- it's exactly the problem, is that we are stuck on sensationalism. We're like, ooh, let's see if we can make Biden dance for two weeks instead of worrying about the real problems in the world. Who gives a fuck? Grow up, people. And that's all the news cycle became for a while, too. That's so depressing. Yes. We have, we have, we're living in such a consequential political time that that's what we care about. And, and, and don't get me wrong. If Biden had meant it that way, then that's definitely newsworthy. Exactly. But the fact that he didn't and people knew that, mm-hmm. that's, that means that they're playing with us. Well, it's, it's like that moment where like, I, I looked at a lot of my progressive friends who, who fell into this trap, right? And who were just like, oh, did you hear what Joe Biden said? My response to them was, come on, guys. Do you really believe in your heart of hearts that Joe Biden is a racist asshole? Do you believe yeah. that? Yeah. And, and if you do believe that, then we are on the wrong fucking team. Exactly. Because that is not the group of people that I want to be associating myself with when it comes to making political change. Is a reactionary group of shitheads who only... Who, who fall into the trap of being defined by their reactions. Nope, right. not what I'm here for. It's, it's, it would be like if, if you and I, remember we were going to fake that conversation of, of attacking the words that each of us use. 
If we came into an episode and we did that and we never talked about anything else, mm-hmm. that's exactly the same thing. Sure. It's exactly the same thing. We're focusing on details and making things into things that they aren't for dynamics. So the things sure. could go up sure, and sure. down and up and down mm-hmm. and up and down when there's actually things that could be talked about. Well, to there's actually topics. Drama and suspense and purely for entertainment value for no other practical reason at all. Yeah. Sure. Like faking a fight. If we yeah. faked a fight and then made up. Like, hmm, guess what? This exciting episode. Listen to this bullshit. <laughs> On this episode of Random Badassery. Random bullshittery. Bullshittery. Hmm. Okay. Let's talk about challenges, amigo. Challenges. Oh, man. I even thought about those. I know you didn't. I noticed. <laughs> yeah. no, I've been so neck deep. I'm, I'm going to definitely have a new job sometime in the near future. And that's good. been occupying so much of my brain space. In a good way. Once I have that, it's going to change so much of my life. But yeah. And action items was... The only one I caught was to post a photo on Instagram of you on the ledge. You did that. So... Yep. Check mark. Um, your challenge, the challenge I gave you was to rewrite your Patreon about page. Yep. Haven't done it. Yeah. And you still have your two songs to do as well. You're piling oh them up. God. You're going to have like I a know, week of work. I have so much to do. <laughs> you just be well, doing you know, like five minutes a day. <laughs> once I, once I, once I have the new job, I will have so much more time to be able to, I mean, yesterday's a good example. My day started at 7 a.m. Or I'm sorry, uh, started at 8 a.m. and ended at like 9:45. It was awful, god awful. Um, and there was no option. I mean, yesterday was a unique situation. I had a guy at work who ended up getting injured, so I had to cover for him. But still, uh, which is why, by the way, for anyone who's not going to know this, uh, this episode is recorded on a different day than usual. Um, but ultimately, like that—that's the, the thing with where I am now is just the amount of time that that's going to afford me and how much just happier I'm going to be beyond that too as well. Right. We shall see. Fingers crossed. Maybe I'll be more miserable. Who knows? Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Uh, my challenge was you challenged me to record, uh, was to write and record a page from the book, from the novel. Um, I didn't do that completely in the sense that I, as a rule, you know, I don't generally share things I'm writing until they're done. Yep. So what I did instead was I took one of the pages that is going to be scrapped from the current form of the novel mm-hmm. and recorded that. Huh, interesting. So there is up on my Patreon a episode of Pants in the Chair in which I read a scene from that draft of the novel. And it's a scene that I actually enjoy that I'm bummed that I have to get rid of. Oof. Kill your darlings, Chad. I know. That's one of my darlings. It's one of my little uh, um, author abortions. (laughs) Oh, that's one of the most (laughs) awful things you've ever said. Speaking of. Oh, my God. Feel feel free to take offense at that one. (laughs) Yes. Send all complaints to uh, the Instagram, please. Don't send them to my personal Instagram. My intent there was alliteration. (laughs) Well, you achieved that. Oh my god. Uh, okay, <laughs> welcome to the circus. Here comes the clown. What the fuck was that? Oh, lordy. Oh man. 
And uh, oh, during yes. the day episodes are definitely different. I will, I will give it that. They're weird. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with them. Yeah, it's very <laughs> strange. Well, you know what though? I feel like we packed a lot more in in a weird kind of way. I feel like I, I felt like I talked a lot more. Yeah, it was God. it was very different. We'll see what the audience thinks. Was it different? People? Yeah. Was it garbage? Was um, it cool? Well, even if it's, it is garbage, we land anyway, pictures so of used condoms. If it was different, whoa. Just kidding. Please don't do that. And don't, not your use condom. I mean, Google it. Uh, well, because that's yeah. different, right? But you see, intent, Chad. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> that is going to be absolutely horrifying. No All it takes it. is for one person to do that to ruin my day. <laughs> no one's going to do it. We've asked people to do so many things, and they never do anything. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's a good point. Good point. Oh Lord, eh. Speaking of things to do while we're talking about it, have you reviewed this show on Apple Podcasts yet? Because we only have 36 reviews and way more listeners. So if you could take two minutes out of your day, we would really appreciate that. The end. Um, what's What's your challenge for next week? You know, have you thought about it? I want to buy a plane ticket. Buy the next episode. Buy a plane ticket. Okay. Not sure to where. I have mm. an idea of where. Um, but this is definitely going to be much more a... Um, I don't even know how to describe that. A, a milestone moment for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know what mine's going to be. I haven't, I haven't done the work. I haven't done the homework, sir. I'm very sorry. Let, let me let me let me make a different version of that too. By the way, not buy a plane ticket. Decide where I'm going to go and buy a plane ticket within a month. So I'll decide where I'm going to go by the next episode. But okay. buying a plane ticket might be ambitious, depending on how much it costs. We'll leave buy out of it and just decide where you are going to fly. See, I'm doing this to stall so that I can think uh, mine. I want mine to be. Something useful to me. You know what? I'm, I'm going to... Oh, man. I can't believe I'm going to do this. Since I got the dog, my room has slowly become more and more cluttered. I yeah. am going to organize my room by next week, which is terrifying. Oh, speaking of which, maybe I'll find my Apple Pencil, which I seem to have lost in my room. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like it'll show up on my iPad is like 4% battery. I'm like, that's cool. Where are you? Where the fuck is it? Yeah, sure. I can't find it. It's been gone for like two weeks. Mm. <laughs> and I haven't been, that's why I haven't been able to do an episode of that show that I want to do deboxed for my Patreon because oh, yeah. I need Apple Pencil to design the little, you know, square that I use for the show. So I've been putting off recording those episodes just because I can't fucking find my Apple Pencil. <laughs> It's here somewhere. I even bought this $5 app that uses Bluetooth to triangulate the location of Bluetooth devices. Early Twitter. Jeez. <laughs> that's hilarious. So that's, that's, that's all I had to that one. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Um, you want to talk about the Denver International Airport or uh, you want to wait? Oh, man. I want to wait. There's a lot to, there's a lot to dive into there. Okay. Um, so, choky thing, right? Yep. And... So I go over and I, you know, I look at him and he's still doing it. So then I pick him up and like, he's not puking. Usually it doesn't take long. You know, dog's going to puke. It usually happens within 30 seconds. 
So I realized I'm like, oh, he's not puking. He's choking. He's he's oh. choking. Oh no! It's like he's not trying to get something up. He's trying to get something down. Um. So like in my head, obviously I have no idea. In my head, I'm imagining he swallowed something square. You know, and it's like just you know a dog wants something in his stomach. Just get it down. So he, I pick him up, and you know I'm freaking out a little bit, and uh, I'm holding him, and I'm going, okay, okay. I'm looking at him, and I'm like, looking, I'm looking him in the eyes. I got him a little bit freaked out at first, so I had to calm down because I got worked up, and then he started to get worked up. I'm like, okay, so I calm down, and I'm holding him, and I'm like, okay, it's about been about ten minutes. I'm like, fuck, okay, what am I gonna have to do? Am I gonna take him to the? You know, it's late at night. Am I gonna have to take him to the emergency? What am I gonna do? And Finally, after about 20 minutes, he stops doing it. I'm like, okay, well, if he was swallowing something, now it's in his stomach. Yep. So I take him to the vet. I'm talking to the vet. And um, anyways, we'll talk about the vet after. But the reason I brought it up, the reason I put it in here, <clears throat> is I understood something for the first time. Um, and it seems grand that I'm going to say I understand parenthood. But I understand a small part of parenthood now in a way that I didn't before. In the sense that... Um, there was a knot in my stomach and a sickness and a panic in me that I've only ever felt about myself. Mm. That's only come from hypochondria and anxiety about myself. I've never had to feel that for another living thing. Not that I don't care for or I'm compassionate, but I've never been in the responsible position for another living thing that was huh. what I thought in distress. Interesting. And it was a very strange experience because I understood things. Obviously, I don't understand it to the scale that a, that a parent would with a child. But I understood for the first time things that people would say that seemed like cliches. You know, like that feeling of helplessness. Yes, it's really powerful because you know that you are responsible for this life. But you also know... What's happening right now is not something that I can do anything about. Yeah. I am not, I'm not a surgeon. I am not a vet. I am not many things that could fix this situation. It was a very profound experience. Luckily, what... Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, the, I mean, what was the feeling of helplessness like? Like, what, what did that physically conjure in you? It's, it's really hard to put into words. I don't even know that I could. Um, Obviously, like my stomach acid just shot through the roof, but then just nausea and just churning and you can't, it's, it's exactly like hypochondria, except it's not about yourself. Mm -hmm. You're freaking out, but you're freaking out for this living creature. And luckily, like I went to the vet, the vet thinks it was probably just acid reflux. She's like, he would probably have been choking, like coughing and stuff if it was something he was swallowing. Um, so that's good. And then I had them do blood work just in case everything's good. So, anyways, he's on the bed snoozing right now. He's fine. Well, did you guys ever? Did you discover what it actually was, though? No, no. She seems to think it was acid reflux, so I'm going with that. Okay. Is for anybody who want to know, his poop has been very normal. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, parent, we'd, we'd be we'd be shit. we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about shit at least once on the show. Yeah, and part of being a parent, whether it's a dog parent or a child parent, is cleaning up poop and having to look at it <laughs> because you have to look at it to make sure everything's good. Hmm. 
So yeah, that was a little bit of a, a scary experience, but gave me a very interesting perspective. And then there's the writer in me that goes, hmm, now if I ever have to write a parent, I understand something that I couldn't have. I couldn't have written a parent as well as I could now. Did I ever tell you about Sammy? I don't think so. Well, okay. So the two experiences here. First one is having to, first of all, euthanize my childhood dog. Um, his name was Tiny. And his quality of life was getting pretty horrible. Like he had liver problems. He couldn't see, could barely hear, and was just living in kind of excruciating pain. And so I had to put him down. And 